Wairea, wairea, ko te whariki ko tō whariki katu pea mai i kapiri, katu pea mai i kia tata kia fiti rerea manu ki te paipa uenuku. Hau mi e, hui e, taiki e. Ngā mate o matara, ngā mate o tata haramai haere. Tātou e pae mai nei ki te hā-hātanga o te whenua ti hewa mauri ora. Kia tātou katoa and welcome back to the hui. Tuatahi e mihia ki ana ki te tuahine orini nā nā nō tata te kaupapa i hautu i te rawaki e te tuahine te nā koe. There are just under two weeks to go to election day and if the polls are to be believed, our guest on the programme today will be the next Prime Minister of Aotearoa. He is, of course, is the leader of the National Party and joins me in studio now. Christopher Luxon, tēnākoe. Welcome. Julian, good to be with you. Thank you so much for your time. I wanted to start with a comment you made. You said the National Party invented by Māori for <laughs> Māori. Why did you say something so obviously not correct? <laughs> well, I meant to say we advocated for it. That was a, uh, a, a misspeak in a debate, and I apologise for that. But what I meant by that was that you know we are great advocates of by Māori for Māori. Okay. And uh, I'm proud of what that government achieved in coalition with the Māori Party and, and some of the things that we've done for Māori over that long period. So tell me, then, Māori will, be, will find that possibly ironic, <laughs> given you're also the party, and you particularly, are leading the charge to disestablish the Māori Health Authority. So how those two things marry together, if you believe in by Māori? Yeah, look, I mean, we just have a difference um, around co-governance of public services, and what I mean by that is that actually they are national goods, national public services that are made available to all New Zealanders, Māori or non-Māori. Uh, we want the coherence of having a single public uh, health system. But within that, it's not about we have one governance of a public health system, but we should be able to have lots of multiple providers within that system. And so, you know, we th there's a big difference, I think, Julian, between us and the Labour Party, which is that we do believe in this notion of localism and devolution. And so we want to partner very strongly with Māori health providers because they are the best to be able to get to, to the community and be able to deliver those outcomes. Why isn't the Māori Health Authority the best way to do that? Well, the Māori Health Authority is another bureaucracy. It is actually a government that has a different philosophy, which is centralisation and control. Let's build another massive bureaucracy in oh, Wellington. Okay. Let's actually, um, and you've seen the reports, it's been a pretty damning report, and, and we're against that. I mean, we, we are for improving Māori health outcomes, absolutely. Right. We know we've got a hell of a lot of work to do in that space. But the way that we will do that is in partnership with Māori and local Māori uh, health providers in this case, education providers, uh, other ways that we go about it. The argument, though, is that that's what they, they have done. I mean, there's a recent example, Ngāti Pikiao uh, Hauora has been uh, established uh, in the last few days to deal with the direct impact it can have on health outcomes in that particular community. Uh, the Māori Health Authority supported one in Kaitaia to be able to lead to greater health outcomes in that so, area. Again, led by and advocated by the Māori Health Authority. Yeah. So they're doing their job. Well, I'll just say to you, I think there's a different way of doing it. I think, as you've seen in education, you right. can have a single education system, one governance structure for the delivery of education in New Zealand, but you can actually have charter schools, you can have kura, you can have a whole bunch of scenarios and, yep. and delivery of that education system. And the same thing, we don't have to have a separate Māori education system to be able to deliver that either. So the, the, the issue that I react to is we have a government that has added 14,000 bureaucrats to Wellington. Okay. It's creating centralised bureaucracy, believing that's the way that you solve problems and improve outcomes. And it's not. The way you do it is you do it by deploying locally in a very devolved way. Well, you just mentioned a separate 
education system, the Klokopapa movement is going through a claims process at the moment. It has been very successful, led by a Māori, but is looking to establish a Kurakaupapa commissioner that would act directly on behalf of the interests of Kurakaupapa. So the argument is actually that you do need a separate and more Māori organised, Māori-led organisation to lead to lead yeah. separate education to get greater outcomes for Māori. Yeah, and I, well, I disagree because the government hasn't been doing that. They've but actually stopped charter schools, for example, which was innovation okay, in the just to deploy education out to any community. But just to Kurokopa, you yep. would agree that's successful, right? Uh, yes, I do. Yeah, okay. I do. Yeah, but I don't think you need to create separate bureaucracy. And what we've seen with this government time and time again is that their answer is that they do everything centrally mm -hmm. and in a controlled way through Wellington. But and we believe in a very different concept. It is a fundamental difference between the two parties. It's an ideological argument. It is, but actually yeah. I think localism and devolution fits a lot more consistently with principles of iwi when I look at, uh, when I sit down with iwi leaders across the country, and I've been doing that over a number of months now in small groups, actually there's good alignment there, and that's yeah. what worked successfully in the past under previous national governments, and I want to get back to that, and I want to make sure that we continue to do that very right. well. But those devolved services, those health services, those education services, like Kurokopapa, are arguing that's what they want and that's what they need. And under that structure, they can be more successful. Uh, I think they can be more successful if we power them up in but a different how, way. But I don't, <laughs> well, what I don't need to do is go create a separate bureaucracy in Wellington. But, but how would you know and more that about it than happening. those who are running the Kurokopapa? And, and I'd, I'd also say, look at the Māori Health Report you know, that we've just seen. One it's year. a pretty damning report, though. One year. Very course. damning. Uh, not be sure fair, what it's year. doing, not sure where it's going. Very poor processes. Okay. Uh, not, not great. It's not a great start. But again, my, my aversion is to actually, why would we create two bureaucracies? No, uh, no. What we want to do is take, I'd sooner take that money and actually deploy it and actually get those outcomes. But, but you do think that you know more about Kurokopa, about how to run Kurokopa, but all those Māori health agencies more than them? No, I don't. I don't. But that's I, what you're arguing. No, no, but what I'd say to you is I'm not prepared to start two bureaucracies. I, I, I think we can have one we can have one set of governance over the delivery of pu over public services, one governance system for public services, if and within that you can have innovation within it, and you need to have innovation within it to actually deploy those services out to communities. If that Not approach, just Māori, but, but non-Māori as well. Sure, Māori and Pacific Island rates are, uh, are lower in terms of outcomes and, and, and equities. Absolutely. Uh, than, than non -Māori. And you know what the sad thing is, Julian? Every over this last six years, those health outcomes haven't improved for Māori or non-Māori. And actually, when you talk to the Māori Health Authority, they're unlikely to improve in the next they, five they years. They certainly didn't improve on the decade, previous health system that you loss. want to go to. They, they certainly didn't improve under the previous health system, which you are advocating and, for now. And, and they haven't improved. Well, no, and the Māori Health Authority... That's correct, though, isn't it? The, they did not improve under the previous... I think there was a lot of improved outcomes. If I look at Māori now not Where? at school, if I look at Māori um, you know, attendance at school, it was, it was a real problem in New Zealand at the moment, right? It's terrible. Okay. Number of Māori kids graduating out of high school... OK, so not, come to health then. Yep. Where, where have they improved in health? Māori death rates, bowel cancer, rheumatic fever... They haven't improved at all. Um, there was good improvements over a national government over that nine-year period around things like rheumatic fever by setting targets and actually being able to go after those targets and make sure we deliver those outcomes. But what I'm just saying to you is we want to power up um, the delivery from Māori health providers into the community big time. But I'd sooner take the money out of a bureaucracy building in Wellington and actually put it out to the front line to deliver those services in a way that's much more targeted. Even much though the Māori Health Authority, again to come back to that, was established to deal with the inequities in the health system, your ideology 
ideological focus is to say that it won't get the outcomes, even though those on the ground are saying that it will lead to outcomes eventually. It hasn't got any outcomes. But it's, only, it's a year Chris, into to be it. Fair, it's only no, no, I've got year. that. I've got that. But what I'm saying to you is a year in, a lot of money going in uh, to, to build bureaucracy rather than money that actually could be going out to improve Maori health outcomes. I, I appreciate that's a different way and, and it's different from how this government's doing it. But, you know, when I look at this government, it has spent 80% more in government spending. Oh, it spends a billion dollars more a week oh, and I, it hasn't delivered outcomes oh, for Maori or non-Maori. I see why you want to make this health, current education. government argument, but this is what people on the ground and researchers are saying will work. And that's not what you're listening to or advocating for. Well, we come All the a, research says that this will yeah, work. And we come you. through a values base to say we believe in localism and devolution. And we believe in powering up community organisations, okay. iwi organisations, Māori education, health providers, do the lot. But we want one coherent governance of public services. And within that, we can have certainly innovation to be able to deliver and deploy services so that we get results. I am obsessed on results and outcomes. And I see a government that e focuses on... Even though on the research and the researchers and the academics and the GPs and the Māori Health Service are saying the outcomes will be achieved on the current system, you're still saying that your way's better. I think we can power up, I think we can power up Māori health providers and do a good job. Let's yep. change uh, a little bit. Is race an issue in the selection? Um, I think, you know, it's being made an issue, if I'm really honest with oh, you. I don't think this is a big issue for New Zealanders, if I'm honest with you. Okay. The, the, the biggest issue by far is the cost of living, whether you're Māori or non-Māori. But, but the second biggest issue is crime, whether you're Māori or non-Māori. Who's, who's made race an issue in the selection? Um, I'd just say to you, I think, you know, I, I've seen today and yesterday, I've seen Chris Hipkins come out and he wants to actually make it about something very different. Did and that's because he's in a very negative frame of mind <laughs> and he's in a, he wanted to create fear and stoke a lot of fear and I don't think that's a really good thing. It, that was obvious in the latest debate that that issue came up, but he's not the one that's made race an issue in this election campaign. Surely you can see that, right? Uh, there are the coalition partners that you will have to work with to go into yeah. government have made race an issue. Well, I'll ju just, just back it back a little bit, you know, and this is my frustration. I've had this conversation with both Chris Hipkins and Jacinda Ardern, which is actually that the issue that's causing frustration for people is this word co-governance, right? And essentially what's happened, and why I'm so frustrated with this government, is that they got an absolute majority, an absolute majority three years ago. And when I go back and look at treaty settlements, for example, mm -hmm. that was a case where Jim Bolger and Doug Graham actually had some courage, and they took their case to the New Zealand people as to why they needed to right wrongs and they got people to buy into it. And yes, there were people on both extremes who'd say we should never have done treaty settlements and others say we should never have, you know, we never got enough. But the point was they took the country with them and they okay. made the case and they spent their political capital for it. Oh. And instead what's happened is the word's been taken out of one context which was well understood and well supported okay. as, as it was under Chris Finlayson and, and the previous national government, that's what I want to continue doing. And it's been put into the context of the delivery of nationalised public services. Oh, well, all, all and that is something I don't I'm not trying to cut you off. All I would say is that process was established actually in the late 80s when Labor was in government. But you're right. The treaty sure, but process what I mean is it got operationalised. Right. I'm proud of what got operationalised oh, yeah. in that nine-year period okay. of that national government. I do want to talk more about the treaty actually after this. And um, I look forward to talking more with you about policies, national party policies, but also the treaty after this. Stay with us. We have more with the national party leader, Christopher, Hick uh, Christopher Luxon. Sorry, that was almost a Freudian slip. Chris Luxon with us after the short break. This is the hui with the leader of the National Party, Christopher Luxon. I want to talk about the treaty, and in particular, one of your coalition partners, potential coalition partners, if you are to form a government, the ACT Party, is seeking a referendum on the treaty. 
which will be of concern to this audience in Māori. So let's remove all doubt. Will you commit now, here on the hui, that a referendum on the treaty will not be held under your Prime Minister? Yeah, it's not our policy, and I think it's actually divisive, and so that's why we don't support it. Okay, but, but you can guarantee under your Prime Ministership there will not be a referendum on the That's our position as leader of the National Party. That's what I've got to say. You know, that, that, that's not what I've got to say. That's what I believe, uh, is I don't think that's helpful. I think it is divisive, and it's not something we're supportive of. OK, I know it's your policy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you can see where I'm going here. I just, you know, the, the question is fairly clear. If you are to be Prime Minister, you're the one ultimately that will make the call. I think a referendum on a name change of the country, you know, Aotearoa, New Zealand, is something that you'd, you'd, you'd go forward with. Uh, but I personally don't think there's a need for us to change the name right now either uh, yeah. but but you know that's our position we don't think it's helpful we don't think it's you know, we're not supportive of it we think it'll be more divisive okay so and and so do you also see then a, con a conversation or indeed a review of things like treaty principles as being similarly divisive yeah well look I mean we've had a set of treaty principles that we've you know interpreted and worked with over the last almost 40 years um, it's quite a technical issue about the application of it into legislation within the parliament mm -hmm. uh, that is something that I'd be open to hearing different views about uh, but it's not something we've been considering um, okay. What I am more focused on, as you well know, is cost of living in the, in the economy and how we actually get better outcomes for Māori, and that's what it's got to be about. What are the treaty principles? Um, we've got um, kawanatanga, we've got rangatiratanga, and we've got equality under the law, Article 1, 2 and 3. Well, one is equity, which again is, is given the conversation well, that, we just had on and Article 3, that all, all citizens have equal protection under the law. OK, um, so, but you mentioned, you, you mentioned like, what, yeah. what does that mean? What does that look like if you were to become Prime Minister? Well, for me, what that means is exactly what we were doing in the last government, which was essentially saying, you know, we acknowledge that um, we need to work in partnership, that obviously that's a well-established concept, a well-established treaty principle, clearly. Um, I think the treaty gives us a lot of good things uh, in this country, we should be very proud about it. It's been, uh, you know, it's been a process working our way through it, but it's something that's very inspiring as a document for all New Zealanders. But you know, it's exactly what we've been talking about, which is, you know, and we've seen it in the context of treaty settlements all the time. Okay. Māori having, you know, control and, and, and ownership and influence over the management of their own local or natural resources in the context of treaty settlements, in partnership with district or regional councils, as we've been doing, is fantastic. That has worked incredibly well in New Zealand. I think. I think we've got better outcomes as a consequence of that. Where you and I disagree is actually then as we go to Article 3 and think about the provision of national public services, mm -hmm. that's where I think those services are available to all New Zealanders on a basis oh, of equality, oh, oh, oh. and the delivery of those services can be done through oh, local community oh. providers and iwi providers and health providers and okay. Māori, oh, but that's I, different. I don't necessarily think I personally disagree. I think this is the argument that many actually in the field would, would, would talk about, because when they talk about rangatiratanga, they would say a means of achieving rangatiratanga mm -hmm. is equity, not equality, right? Equity. Equity in distribution of resource. Equity in delivery of outcomes. Uh, equity, for example, in policy. So, so let's talk a little bit about, about mm. policy then. How will your tax cuts achieve equity, particularly for Māori, say with average wage? Yeah, so if you look at it, uh, an average wage earner in New Zealand would be $50 better off a fortnight under us with our tax relief plan. What I've decided to do is that actually in a cost of living environment mm. that we're all going through at the moment, and the fact that you know uh, we've got a government that frankly I don't think has looked after lower middle income New Zealand as well, I'm targeting them with a tax relief because I want them to keep more of their own money in their pocket to spend and to save and to, as they see fit. And that, that helps Māori or non-Māori, frankly. Okay. Okay. But you said New Zealanders, right? Yes. What is the Māori average income? 
Uh, it, it'll be it'll be lower than the average income across New Zealand. It'll be about sixty two thousand dollars. Is it forty four thousand? Forty four. So you're just above minimum wage. So, so I'm not trying so, to trap you. No, but I, I just want to um, make sure that we understand when we talk about average wage and when we I talk about all that. New Zealanders. Yep. So I understand, Julian. Let me be clear. Yep. I fully understand that there are massive differences between Maori outcomes and non-Maori outcomes. Whether you look at health, education, wealth, economy, home ownership, everything. Right. I get it. But the question is now. I, I'm a little bit tired of the conversation. I want outcomes and I want delivery. No, I, and I've I sat there watching a government for six years that hasn't delivered for Māori or non-Māori, and I actually want those outcomes changed. But the way we do that is actually we've got to build a much stronger economy because actually that is the thing that enables us to afford the public services we want for Māori or non-Māori. No, no, I understand the point. The reason why I raise the raise point about uh, wages, and in particular one-third of Māori who are in under 30k. I mean, how much better off will they be under your government and your tax cuts, and how will that in any way, shape or, or, or form address the inequity? Yeah, so essentially what you've got is, just, just, just so you understand the tax plan, the minimum wage is essentially what you're saying now is the average median wage for Māori, uh, full-time working Māori is, 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 is essentially the minimum wage. Uh, with that comes a whole bunch of other entitlements and or provisions that can, will continue. You know, if you think about accommodation supplements and other um, other entitlements that happen through our welfare but system. But not public great. transport. No, 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 for sure, for sure. But not free no, because, for under twos. No, because, not $5 no, prescription. No, but actually we are going to deliver family boosts, which is actually helping families, 130,000 families, who earn under $180,000, who have early childhood costs, we're going to give the money directly to them, up to $75 a week, $3,900 a year. And that is really important, because actually for low and middle income earners, that's something that's going to help them tremendously. So just because we've got, it's not the Labour Party policy of delivering for two-year-olds, we've got no. a better mechanism, we believe, to get the money to people to support them with their childcare costs. Okay, so, right? but, so just, just and like Likewise, on public transport, so, I'll just say to you, rather than trying to do it that way, what mm -hmm. we're saying is let's give people tax relief and then they can spend and navigate those costs so, that they've so got to deal a, with themselves. Give me the figure then again, please, Chris. So, so for a third of Māori who earn under 30k, how much should they get again in tax? Well, that's not full t a full-time minimum wage earner in New Zealand. Oh. A full-time minimum wage earner in New Zealand is earning about 42, 40, 40, 40, 40, I think $42,000, $22.70 an hour mm -hmm. times $40, 40 hours a week um, gets you to where you need to be. And what we're saying for a minimum wage earner in New Zealand, uh, it will be um, about $20, $26 a week. Okay, what do you make of the $20, children? $20 a fortnight, The, the yep. Children's Commission argued that indexing benefits to the average wage would be the number one thing a government could do to tackle child poverty in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Is that wrong? Uh, I think we're going we're to make sure that we actually give beneficiaries regular increases every year and we're going to base it off the cost of living. That has been the long-standing convention. Not on inflation? N uh, on inflation, which is the cost of living, That's so that people can actually adjust okay. to the cost of living. But, but not facing. on the average wage? No, no, and, the, and a number of reasons for that. One is that actually you've seen that in, the, in recent times when inflation has got out of control and wages for the last three years have actually been not keeping up with, the, with, with inflation, mm -hmm. people are going backwards. But you're going to bring inflation down? Yeah, we are going to bring inflation down, that's the point I'm trying to make. So what we want to make sure is that people who are on a benefit are actually, their, their purchasing power stays intact because as inflation comes in each and every year, they're getting cost of living increases with their benefit. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's, so you know, be clear, we're not cutting benefits, we're actually going to be increasing benefits, but with the basis by which we do it mm -hmm. is on the basis of inflation. So but some figures suggest, though, that if you don't take it to the average wage, you end up losing $2 billion over the next four years for beneficiaries. So therefore, beneficiaries lose $2 billion over four no, years. No, that's not true. No, that's not true. We are, we are, well, we are increasing... 
benefits each and every year. But the basis by what we're doing is we're linking it to inflation. Why? Because actually that, I think, is the higher order concept of making sure people don't get It is currently, out. but when, you bring, so that when costs, you bring inflation down, it'll so, be lower than the so average So that actually wage. they can actually, their dollar goes and actually buys the right, it doesn't lose value essentially each and every year if it's linked to inflation. Okay. Now the other benefit of that is frankly also then it encourages people to get from welfare into work and that is a big part of the, what we have to do because okay. I'm telling you, 60,000 more people on unemployment benefit under this government at a time of record job shortages and low unemployment is unacceptable. I, I'm getting yelled at by the boss. <laughs> Even though potentially you could be the boss of the country <laughs> after the next election, I'm getting yelled at. We Actually, I think I'm going to keep Christopher Luxon here for the next part uh, because there's a lot more than I want to discuss. So stay with us. We'll have more from Chris Luxon after this. Christopher Luxon. He is, of course, the leader of the National Party. Chris Luxon is with us. Sorry, Julian, can I just correct? Minimum wage is $47,000 a year. It would be $20 a fortnight. Someone would get under our plan. If you get median wage, it would be $50 a fortnight. I'm sure people will pick up on that. <laughs> uh, crime. Uh, it was an interesting conversation in a leaders' debate about gangs yeah. and a conversation about um, particularly what happened in all right? yeah. about taking pictures of gang members. I saw an interplay between Afano, who went to support gangs, protests in Parliament. Your police spokesperson... Mark Mitchell went there immediately. Mark Mitchell immediately inferred, or actually immediately thought, that this was a Afano who were from a gang, who, who were members of gangs. Isn't this a part of the problem, that we have your police spokesperson, who just because people go along and support gang members, gang Afano immediately makes an assumption about them. This is what's wrong. Well, I'll say what the real problem is, is that we've had a 70% growth in gang members, and we've actually got nine gang members for every 10 police officers in this country, and that is not great. And we know that gangs are... Actually, they want the rights of being New Zealanders, but they're not prepared to take the responsibilities. And that's what this country's actually built on, is that we have rights and responsibilities to each other and to the country. Sure. And, you, and you can't just... I want to be... Because we're starting from a place, probably in a different place, which is that, you know, I, think, I don't think gangs are good for New Zealand. I I think they peddle in misery and cause pain and suffering for New Zealand families up and down this country. Again, the assumption that I think they are is, isn't what, what is actually the case. No, no, but, 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 but maybe that, that, we've got to start somewhere. The, and the and point, in my view, very clearly, is that's not good for young people to be joining gang life and encouraging gang life. I don't think it's right that a government pays $2.75 million for drug rehab with, with the mongrel mob. I just don't buy that. So, so, but removing a gang member's jacket isn't going to do anything, is it? Like, oh, well, like... No, no, but, but if, if you look at the, rule, the laws that have been passed, say, in Queensland or Western Australia, actually both Labour... Labour premiers of those states, for example, a lot of what we're talking about here is actually very consistent with that. We have banned gang patches in public buildings and you, you don't wear them into those places. We're just asking that to happen so now how, in the broad how, public. How would have, Secondarily, how would we'll give solved, the police dispersal powers. How would that have solved what happened in all Portuguese? Um, well, what, 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 we, we want to make sure that actually it's illegal to wear, you know, it's, it's, it's wrong to wear your patch out in public. But how would it have solved what happened in all Portuguese? Because my understanding is actually a part of that, part of what happened was a community-led solution. There were talks about how they were going to try and What I observed it. was actually a school shutdown for a week and loss of learning. What I observed was actually people not feeling that they could catch the bus service because it was suspended. And when you talk to people that were in that town, there was a lot of fear and intimidation. And so why should a gang be able to come to town and have higher rights than other regular New Zealanders have that are trying to go about their daily life? I haven't. I was in Whakatane yesterday. I haven't got to a Portuguese. So, so you can understand, though, that uh, someone who talks like that, who has, actually hasn't been to a Portuguese, people would take that and go, but hang on, this is a part of our community and we were trying
trying to lead yeah, the Yeah, but I'm, I'm really sorry. We have a major problem with crime in New Zealand. We have a major problem. And, you, and, and, and the way that we're going at the moment is saying this is just how things are in New Zealand is utterly unacceptable. We get to choose how it is in New Zealand. And every 18 months, every six months, we see more frequency, more gratuity, more, more gratuitous violence, and we see worse crime. And so, you know, people do not feel safe in New Zealand under in their own homes, their own businesses, their own communities. This morning, I've actually been out meeting with several retailers who've actually been ram raided, um, been the victims of theft and crime. It is a traumatic experience. And essentially, we've had a government that has been soft on crime, and it's actually said, let's just reduce the prison population by 30%. That would be fine. All of us watching this would say that would but be you great. You agree that prison is no good for anyone, right? It, it isn't, but, but actually, we want prison population. Getting recidivism rates down is a good thing, it, isn't it? Getting prison population down when you don't have a 30%, by 30%, we don't have a 30% reduction in crime is, doesn't work. Uh, that is not acceptable at all. But boot camps don't work either, Chris. Uh, they, they do. If you look at the well, LS... On, they didn't work in 2011. But, of the uh, 17 offenders that went into that youth programme, only two came out and didn't re-offend. The rest did. Yeah, and so we have based this programme on the, on the LSV programme. And I was in Fokatana yesterday, and I had a mum come up to me just as I was leaving on the main street with all the cameras around, and I, and I didn't know what she was going to ask me. And she said, Chris, can I ask you a question or just and have a comment? And she told me her daughter was on the LSV programme and it changed her life. And I hear that consistently. I've heard of, you know, even young people who are on the LSV programme end up joining the police. So we've taken the principles of LSV, okay. we're taking the principles of social investment, putting the community organisations in at the beginning, and I tell you, our military leaders are much better uh, mentors and leaders than what we've seen with those supervisors at Oranga Tamariki. All right. Uh, um, uh, again, there'll be people who say, well, we've just come out of a Royal Commission on uh, Abuse and Stake Care, and there are potential issues that would arise and rise out of... Out well, of let's be clear, the failure of Oranga Tamariki is something we should be uh, very ashamed about. Well, it wasn't just Oranga Tamariki, it's yeah. Stake Care. Yeah, right? yeah. Again, no, I got it. But actually, what we've seen in, in the last six months and what we've the stories that have come out of that for our most vulnerable kids is unacceptable. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about aspiration for 2040. Um, you you are potentially going to have to be a Prime Minister that has to work with David Seymour and, and Winston Peters and, and all that that brings. And I know you're going to pu push your line there about you don't want to work with Winston Peters, but that could be a reality. In what shape or form, then, can we start to talk about a foundation for the aspiration of a country that will celebrate 200 years of the signing of its oh, I think document with those two characters on either side of you. Well, actually, I think that's the big opportunity that we have, is what is, what, what is the kind of country we want to have in 2040? With those want? two? Uh, absolutely. I mean, not, no, I'm not, let me be clear on the two. You're setting me up here a little bit with the coalition conversation. So, I mean, the first thing I'd say to you is I, I think there's a lot at stake in this election. And I can tell you the last six years haven't been great. If you ask yourself a simple question, are you better off today than you were six years ago? The answer is no. And will you be better off with Te Party, Māori, Greens and Labour in three years? No. Yeah, but, but so the surely, question... surely you can see the argument that you and Winston and David are part of a coalition of chaos at the same time. Surely you can I, see I disagree. particularly no, because... with the arguments on race. No, so that's why I'm saying to everybody, and that's why I've come out this last week and actually said really clearly this election matters. It is not a done deal. Uh, it is actually a very close election. Every MMP election is. Be very intentional, thoughtful and purposeful about where your party vote goes. And that's why I keep saying party vote national. I've been saying that for months and months. Uh, what I would say is that then if beyond that, I, my strong first preference is then to work with National and Act in a two-party coalition. I think we will be very constructive. We have been in the past and we can be but, in the future uh, and as I know well. You don't want to talk about and then you, then you raise New Zealand first. And I want to be really clear about that. How are you going to make that work? No, but on New Zealand first, I want to be really clear. Uh, all I'm saying is that uh, that is my last resort option. And all I'm trying to do is if in the event of a 
avoiding another three years of Te Party Māori Greens and Labour, I would make that call to New Zealand first. Whether I, I, How is I, that gonna, I, not I going to be a coalition How is that not going to be a I just say to you, uh, New Zealand First hasn't gone with us for 27 years, and we all remember 27. But how is that not going to so be a coalition So the answer is, get back to the core thing, and actually, if you want change, you have to vote for change. Okay. Um, now, I'm very much getting yelled at. Uh, thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. Now, I know there are other Māori organisations that would love to talk to you, and I hope you're open to talking to people like me, Forbes and Moana Maniopoto, as well, before the uh, campaign closes. Thank you so much for talking to us. Appreciate it, Julian. Good to be with Kia you. Ora that was, of course, Chris Valakshin, the leader of the National Party. Kia hatia, kwa tairiake te kōrero, a tātātou hui ki konei. You can find all our stories and this interview on social media platforms and at newshub.co.nz. Kia mau. Ki te tūranga o te putupu a te ahumie. Huie. Taiki. Nā te puna whakatongarewa, te hui i tautoko.